right, welcome back to another episode of Foreign Insight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Obi. On this episode, uh, you know, one thing I talk about with this podcast is all about diversifying and sort of building a network and expanding. And so uh, with this guest this week, I was put in contact with him by one of my mentors and Coach Kovo, a guy I've had on, and he's um, been a big figure for both of us. So definitely we'll be able to touch on that later on in the show. But without further ado, we got Dominique Avery on Williams. What's going on, man? No, man, good to be here, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, man. And thank you for lending some of your time and coming on, man. I appreciate it, for sure. Yes, sir, man. Thank you for having me on. Like I said, like you said, Coach Cobo meant a lot to both of us. So, like I said, I appreciate him connecting us. And like I said, I'm excited to have the conversation, man. All right. Let's get started. So, upbringing. Let's start there. Uh, both of us are Houston boys. So, just talk about what that was like growing up here in the H and uh, kind of how that uh, was a big influencing factor for you in your formal years. Uh, man, like I said, Houston's a big city. So, like I said, it's always a lot going on. Uh, me, I kind of just found my niche real young. Uh, sports was always kind of my thing that I just kind of focused on and just stuck with. And so growing up here and just finding something to do is always the best thing because a lot of things you can get into that's, you know, real bad and all that kind of stuff. But, like, just finding sports and just doing that was always real good for me. I played all, you know, every sport I could growing up. So, you know what I'm saying, growing up in Houston, definitely that was huge for me, just finding sports and just doing that. No, nah, I feel that, man. The same thing, like even, you know, you talk about, you know, Houston being a big city. I've lived here all my life, but even now being an adult and kind of being post-college and everything, I'm still finding things in new parts of the city. I'm always, you know, even now trying to be a person who gets out and kind of, you know, sees life as an adult and is trying to, you know, maneuver. There's still stuff I find even today where it's like, I didn't know we had that. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know we had this place, that place. So, yeah, man, Houston being a big city and definitely just opportunities, you know, it's here. It's no reason why it's no wonder why, you know, people are always moving down here from different states, you know, and all the jobs I worked in. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, my family moved here from Minnesota or Arkansas or California, you know, so, yeah, definitely um, big for us. So one thing also we have in common is we both played football. So just talk about your, your time playing football and kind of what that was like for you and your experience. Like I, I got started playing real young. Uh, the first team I played for was the uh, Missouri City Raiders, and I got introduced to football, you know, real young. I kind of fell in love with it, like, almost instantly. Just the whole the whole idea of it, just the, the big team, you know, just everything. I just always fell in love with it, and it's something I stuck with, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I went to Crystal McCullough. I played there for middle school. Uh, I started off at Willow Ridge my ninth grade year, and then I left 10th grade year and ended up going to uh, Clemens, and that's why I graduated from, and like I said, football. Without football, you know, it's no guarantee I would have been able to have the opportunity to go to college, you know, and get a degree and, you know, have that opportunity. So football definitely opened up a lot of different doors for me. So, you know, so I definitely like I love football, man. I can't even put it into words. I love it, man. Yeah, man. I was a I was a guy who got into football because my older brother played. And, you know, being the little bro, it's like, hey, my brother's playing, I'm gonna play and I'm gonna try to compete with him and be better than him and all that other stuff. So that's how I got introduced to it too. But you now I remember moving down here, um, you know, back when I was in ninth grade too. And, you know, the guys I played with, like, oh, you said Missouri City uh, Raiders, right? You said, yeah. yep. My Definitely guys. shout out to the Mo City Raiders, man. <laughs> yeah, I heard them. I heard Stafford Cobras. That was a big team at the time. I heard uh, they had a couple like, bunch of teams but you know it was such a competitive thing and I, I used to love that and people would carry that into high school you know you have like 12 high schools out here in this Fort Bend area so for sure and then um now I want to talk about though 
you said that you started off at Willow Ridge in ninth grade year. You transferred to Clemens in your tenth grade year. What happened that caused you to transfer? And what was the what kind of how did that affect you? You know, you having to move schools or switch schools. Like I said, first before I say what I say, I want to say, you know, shout out to the story history, you know, uh, the Willow Ridge Eagles, you know what I'm saying? Like they've been holding down the Fort Bend district for a long time. And they got a storied, a storied history that's to be respected. Uh, they had kind of hit kind of a downward spiral around that time to where, you know, my mom, you know, my dad, they just weren't comfortable with me being at the school. And, you know, Clemens, you know, not even just at the time, they just always been a real good school academically and stuff like that. So they just felt like it would be a good switch for me at the time, just because Willie Ridge wasn't really going in the right direction at the time. And it was crazy. Like I said, they ended up turning it around and making it to the playoffs while I was in high school, which is an mm. interesting thing. But, like, they were just – it was a lot of different things going on. You know, I'm sure if you if you've seen it, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like they their their history is to be respected. Though. I want to say that first. For sure. No, most definitely. I mean, again, you know, you have to always respect the history of, you know, what, how schools get to where they are. And you have to kind of, you know, understand the journey, right? Like optically, you know, a school or a population or a city or a community might look like they're struggling, but, you know, that usually doesn't happen overnight. So most definitely, like you're saying, you know, like you have to respect the history and respect where they've come from and to still be able to navigate those obstacles for those kids who still live in that area and attend that school. Like this is to be respected. just happened to be the case that your parents saw an opportunity, like you said, to kind of try to maybe move you out that area and maybe try to get you to expand your your worldview, so to speak. I think that's what happens with most of the time that uh, families move. It's not necessarily because they don't like an area, but it's a matter of trying to give their their children and themselves a new opportunity that maybe was never possible before. I see, like I said, and the difference, like I said, I still stayed in the Willow Ridge area. Like, you know, we still stayed in the area. I was just, you know, commuting every day. So that made, you know, the process even a little tougher because it's just a completely different landscape. You know, Willow Ridge and Clemens, you know, you got Clemens, you got Chinese kids, you know, you got Indian kids, you got this like, big, you know, diversity. And Willow Ridge, you know, for the most part, it's a lot of that's, that was a huge difference, you know, the first part, you just seeing the different sports. Like at Willow Ridge, like the main sports are like football, basketball, and track. And then going to Clements, where the main sports are like baseball, soccer, and like volleyball and other things like that. That was new for me because, you know, football was always number one for me growing up. So that was like another huge thing that was different for me when I first transferred. For sure. So you get to Clements and uh, you play and you play under Coach Cobo. But just talk about your experience, you know, as far as football and playing at Clements. You know, what, what position did you play, obviously? Um, what was that experience? You know, did y'all have success or was there some something else that you kind of found? You know, just talk about that, if you would. Uh, like I said, I played uh, when I first got to Clemens, I was a safety uh, when I first transferred in from uh, Willow Ridge. Uh, when I got with Coach Covo, he was actually my coach when I first got in because I transferred at the beginning of the semester. So I didn't get to go through any of the summer things. So nobody knew who I was. So when I first got there as a sophomore, like I said, uh, when most of my friends were getting prepared to play varsity that year, I was getting prepared to play on JVB team. So, you know, what I'm saying like that, that whole dynamic right there was just a weird thing for me in general. But luckily, I came across Coach Kobo. He was my coach for JVB team. And he was I don't know if he was trying to do it, but just through him, him being the type of person he was, he kept me with the love of football because just that that dynamic alone made me kind of like want to go in a different direction and not want to really do football anymore just because like I said in my opinion I wanted to be on varsity you know so I definitely didn't want to be on JV definitely not JVB team so that was just a, a tough dynamic in its own man 
Yeah, I feel that. So let's, let's go ahead and let's uh, get to the Coach Kobo aspect, man, because, you know, like you're talking about him, I mean, he was probably one of the main reasons I was able to play all through high school was the fact of me and his relationship, because, um, you know, I interviewed him last year. And one of the things he talked about or he remembered was like when I was a freshman and we had team dinner, right? I met, that was the first time I'd ever met him and uh, his guy, Coach Ruthard, who I'm also close with. And it was just the fact that they just were like genuine dudes. Like I was waiting on my parents and, and I was just chopping it up with them. And I was like, oh, these guys really like care, like outside of just, you know, coaching you on a football field. Like they actually care about you as a person, right? And mm-hmm. and a story on Coach Cole, this is how I knew he was different, right, was I was a sophomore, you know, when, when we're young men and stuff like that, you have like homecoming and proposing to girls and stuff of that nature. Yeah. yeah. And I remember he was there, like he saw like the first girl I wanted to take the homecoming. And so he like pulled me into the office after class, after practice one day, he was like, okay, you're going to ask this girl out and what are you going to do? Okay. Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Okay. Bottom line, if you come to practice tomorrow and you didn't ask her, if you chicken out, we're going to have a problem. And I was like, I was like, okay, I got you, coach. But it, it's stuff like that where, you know, off the off the field, you know, he actually cared about you having success and, like, you kind of, you know, being, like, a well-rounded individual human being. And, like, he understood you as a, like, as a human being. It wasn't just about, oh, you play football for me, you know, go do this assignment. Like, he actually took the time to, like, care about other stuff about you. And, like, even now, like, checking in on us, you know, is one of those things where, you know, you, you don't always get those type of relationships with a coach and with a player. So definitely. No, so just, Kobo, hold on, man. Like I said, uh, Coach Kobo, actually, man, like I said, uh, just the, that whole dynamic, man, if I had any other coach in that situation, there's no telling how that would have went. Because mm-hmm. like that, Coach Kobo just kind of just kept it fun for me, man. You know what I'm saying? He Excellent. showed up every day with a smile on his face. He kept it fun. He allowed us to just have fun out there. And he made a good situation out of what, in my opinion, was a bad situation. And I was able to take the energy that he brought that year and carry that over and then end up having some success later on in my high school years. You know what I'm saying? Based off that relationship, I feel with Coach Kobo. So definitely shout out to Coach Kobo like 100 times over. Yeah, most definitely. So after playing uh, at Clemens, you get to play after call. You get to play after high school. You get to play in college. So talk about where you played, how you got to the decision of committing, and what that was like playing college football. Well, like I said, the 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 grind out here. You know, it's a lot of good athletes out here in high school. And like I said, I know you see the numbers. It's only a small percentage of us that get to play. So you know, I knew that I just wanted one school to to call me. You know, what I'm saying I just needed one opportunity, and that's what happened. Like I didn't have a bunch of people beating down my door. I had Midwestern State, you know, call me and say that they wanted me to come play. And, you know, I went down there and visited and I never looked back, man. Like I said, shout out to Midwestern State. Um, I was able to go down there, man. We won three championships under Coach Maskell. Shout out to Coach Maskell. Uh, you know, I played, I ended up playing corner and punt returner out there. You know, um, like I said, I enjoyed a lot of success, man. You know, like I said, in college, just able to win three championships able to be a part of so many, you know, different things, you know, coming from Clemens, we didn't, we wasn't winning no district championships. Like I said, we wasn't finna, you know, be beating them guys. So just to be able to go there and have that success playing the playoffs, man, that was huge. Like those memories I got in college, man, I couldn't, like I said, that's, that's memories that you never get back, man, really, to be honest with you, man. Then to be able to have those success with those guys, man, shout out to all my teammates at Midwestern State, man. Like, like I said, that was huge for me, man. So I love hearing some of the stories and some of the behind the scenes stuff. So first of all, if you had a, a favorite college football moment and then, you know, like a, a saddest or toughest college football moment, what would those be? Um, I would say, like I said, they actually happened in the same game. It's funny you asked me that because, like I said, we were playing against a team. Uh, 
my I think it was my red shirt sophomore year in college, and we were playing against a team we were clearly better than. Like we ended up beating them like 63 to 20. But I gave up like a 50-yard touchdown in that game in the first quarter. And you know, I guess you know, against a team you're not supposed to be losing to, like that's all bad, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. when that happened, I was kind of down, it was at home. And then, but the next possession, I was able to run back my first punt in college. So, like, my bad moment and my good moment were kind of synced in together, man. So, that was kind of that was kind of cool. Yeah, man, you got to have a short-term memory. Next play. Yeah, like I said, playing corner and punt returner, like, you know, you can't afford to be thinking about that, man. You definitely got to be thinking about the next play. Absolutely. So, just go a little bit further into the college football experience, you know, at least from your vantage point. Uh, you played at Midwestern, yeah. you know, um, how is it different from playing in high school? I mean, obviously you hear you hear like, oh, it's harder. The athletes are better. Um, you know, you're not in school, but or at least not like seven hours a day. You know, it's kind of a few hours, and you have practice most of it. But just from your experience, you know, just to give people a little, a little bit of insight and background, what was kind of the biggest thing you had to adapt to when you got there? I had to just I had to adjust to it being as close to a job as it can be, man. Like, you know, like you do have school and all that. But like I said, you are there to be a student athlete. So in your time that you're not, you know, doing your books or doing stuff like that, like you got to be focusing yourself towards being an athlete. And that was the hardest part because it is the best people from their areas. You know, it's all the all district and all region guys from their areas on one team. So just combining that dynamic trying to outwork those guys and trying to just find your niche that was kind of the hardest part for me man like because you know when you first get there as a freshman those guys that are sophomores and juniors and seniors they've been putting in work man like they're a couple steps ahead so the hardest part is just that learning curve right there just trying to get anywhere close to speed with them and then the hardest part after that is just embrace it just staying with the grind like football has a 99 percent injury rate and so just getting out the season healthy is an accomplishment as a, in its own so yeah. Like that's that's that was the hardest part. Like I've seen a lot of great, you know, great players like injuries was the only thing that, you know, held them back. And that's that's a huge dynamic in football. So just being able to stay healthy was a huge thing for me in college, man. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I was I was very, very lucky that I didn't have anything major. I didn't have to deal with breaking or tearing anything or having any type of lingering long term injuries for sure. But, you know, one thing that is, you know, a common thing, especially even today with football is the the topic of concussions, man. And I know we talked off camera a little bit about it and how, you know, it's something that's big in your opinion. So let's talk about kind of what you saw with concussions and kind of why it's a big deal to you. Okay, man, like I said, I'll start by saying, like I said, I have a group that, you know, that I have that's actually geared towards speaking on concussions and like actually like giving people a platform to actually speak on this called keep fighting, stay vocal. So that's something that I do that because like I said, it's it's something that's just been being swept under the rug, in my opinion, for years, you know what I'm saying? It's something that's really important because it's been having like lasting effects on players. Like you got players that are dying very young and not just dying, you got players that are committing suicide. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then leaving their brains for science afterwards for people to, you know what I'm saying, to work on. Like, and in my opinion, that's a very scary thing. So, you know, as a person who played football from the time I was very young to, you know, up until college, I saw plenty of players, you know, who got their bell rung or whatever they call it. And they just went back in and like just based off of the diagnosis of a concussion, if you get one or you get your bell rung, you shouldn't go back in the game. But most players do. You know, it's not it's not taught to us not to, man. But like the opposite is taught to us. I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah, nut up or suck it up and get back out there. You know what I'm saying? But you don't know what kind of damage is going on. Like I like, you know, just to to put a little bit like so I was I played nose and I'll never forget. Like one of the things that my teammates used to tell me about was um, like during the offseason, there would be a clear 
like change in my in my speech right like I, they tell me during the season hey you notice you slur a lot you know what i'm saying during the season and then in the off season it's like hey everything is clear you speak clearly so i was like you know maybe something is going on there so like you said you know people really aren't told to talk about it until stuff's too late or too much damage is done or you know like unfortunately people have to pass on so you're definitely right on that and i'm with you 100 percent like I said, man, that's why I just try to create the platform because there have been players that have spoken out on it, man. Like you have a guy like Luke Keekley, uh, a guy like Calvin Johnson. You know, these are some of the best to ever play the game. And they've come out and said, like, man, nah, this is why I had to stop playing. So, mm-hmm. like, it's a huge deal because you play football. Everybody doesn't get to play in the league, man. But the, the majority of people, they spend their time playing it as a child, you know, while you're growing up in the house. They don't get to play it as an adult. So those years after are important, man. And if these players are, you know, suffering these concussions, if they are as important as we say they are, then I think, you know, it's time to, you know, try to shift towards, you know, something a little bit more different. Like if we know for a fact that football is causing these effects, then it's time to really start thinking about what we need to do, like to, you know, to fix that. Cause it's a dangerous sport clearly. And, you know, the science makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, it just does. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, like, I remember it was put in the context for me like this. If you look at just numbers, right, a lot of kids who play football in the U.S., but especially in a place like Texas, right, where football is almost religion, you know, right. you get into football, playing tackle at least probably at seven years old, you know, some even earlier than that. So we're looking at you take a six, seven year old, they play through high school. Just if you just get to high school and play, you're 18. That's an 11 year football career. Now, yeah, it's not the NFL, but you've put that level of damage, that many hits, you know, on your body, on your brain for 11 years. Now, if you play in college, then now you're looking at 14, 15. If you play in the league, like even if you play three years in the league, you're probably at an 18 year NFL career now take that and and just put that in the context you know like imagine how much damage you can do to your body giving in massive hits and massive trauma for 18 years you know straight you know what I'm saying so it's stuff like that and I remember like when that movie concussion came out and people were like I don't want to see that I don't want to hear that you know I don't want to have this be in my head I'm like well it's important you know we'd rather notice now and be preventative with it than you know to say oh if only I had known it's kind of my whole thing with it I'll be 100% transparent with you, man. Like I said, my senior year, I got a really bad concussion. Like, this come, like, I was able to avoid, like you said, all the major injuries. I didn't have anybody digging in my body, anything like that. Mm-hmm. My senior year, you know, going into, you know, the last couple of games, I got a really bad concussion. It knocked my vision out in my right eye, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, the vision didn't come back clearly for maybe, like, a day and a half. And, you know, to this day, I'll tell you, like, I went, I, I missed two games. And then I came back and played the last two. But, you know, to this day, I always tell myself, like, in my mind, I knew I only played them last two because I knew they was going to be the last two, mm-hmm. you know. So, But under any other circumstances, I wouldn't have went out there, you know, because to that day, since, since that day, man, like, I get migraines. I get, you know, all the stuff, like, all the stuff that you see with these players, man, that stuff, like, it's just a matter of people going to speak on it, man. We all deal with it. It's just a matter of who speak on it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like this conversation, what we're talking about here isn't meant to scare anybody or especially like a a mother who may have a kid who wants to play football. I remember having jobs later and moms are like, would you really let your son play? Or like I like people ask me, would you really let your son play knowing what you know? I'm like, I mean, yes, because I at least know. So I know how to be careful. Obviously, with any sport, you can have risk. Right. But, you know, it's, it's the 
acknowledging the conversation and then doing with that information what you will. If my son wants to play, I'll say, look, you can, but you know, these are the risks that you're going to be dealing with with this sport. You know what I'm saying? Or if you know you feel like you're not feeling 100%, if you're feeling like there's some damage going on there, if you feel like something's not right, then have the nuts and have the you know courage to say something and we'll deal with it rather than you know the old mindset, which is I suck it up. You know what I'm saying? No, no, because I'm not going to put my my child or anybody or no, nobody should be put in danger. You know what I'm saying? And see me, I have a daughter, so I didn't have to deal with that, you know, wondering if I was going to do that. Because, you know, just because I played my whole life, it would be natural for people to think, assume that I would let my son play. But I personally wouldn't, you know, based off, you know, what I know and based off my experience that I go through on a daily basis, I personally wouldn't put my son in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I've, ex- I've expressed that to my mother you know, and all of that. So, you know, you know, so that's just why I stand on it. I understand because of what you can build from it, the team camaraderie, you know, I understand all of that, but just based off of the physical aspect and life after football, I personally wouldn't put my son through that. No, 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 I understand that fully. Like it's one of those things, like it's, it's all kind of decision and what that parent, like you have to give the parent the autonomy to make that decision for some parents. They may say, and, you know, there's some risk, but it's worth it. If my, my child wants to, there are others right. like yourself who say, no, no, it's not. It's not worth the the possible trauma that could be uh, introduced. So for sure, you know, that's definitely a respectable standpoint because you've seen it and you experience it firsthand. Right. Right. Now, uh, getting off the concussion topic, another thing, especially um, now, is uh, the the top conversation of athlete compensation. So now we have the new NIL rules and you know the ability for players to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, athlete compensation was something I've always been big on talking about. Uh, ever since I started the platform for you who played in college and now you're seeing this uh, be a thing. What is your opinion on it? Are you, do you like it? Do you not like it? Or what do you think is the next step now? Um, honestly, my, my simplest opinion on it is that, like I said, they've been making a lot of money off these players for a lot of years. So whatever these players can get, you know, I'm, it's going it got to start somewhere, you know, everybody not going to be able to get compensated the way they want to just right off the bat. But I feel like we're going in the right direction if we're paying the players that people can profit off of. Mm. So, so, yeah, for sure. Go ahead. My bad. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, that, like I said, that was my standpoint on it. Like I said, I feel like if you can profit off of the players, then the players should be able to profit off of themselves too. That's how it's been. Cause it'll be different if it's just like a small profit, like these, like these, some of these football schools is keeping these universities open. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, for real. So, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. So, it's only fair to me. And then, no, like, just athletes in general, though. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, my whole thing, like, we used to have these conversations. I still have these conversations with people. And the main, like, point of contention is, well, you know, it's risky paying players. What if they're irresponsible with it? You know what I'm saying? Or what do they deserve? They don't deserve to be compensated. You get a free education. I'm like, okay. So, well, for one, okay, addressing the education standpoint so people can understand my, my thought process is the education and being able to play, it, that, that used to be equal compensation. As more money was being introduced, it's first off, not an amateur sport anymore. It's a business, just like the NFL, just like the NBA. The, the difference is that your workforce isn't being compensated. That, to me, is not a business anymore. That's something else. We'll leave it there, right? And then on top of that, <laughs> on, top of, on top of that, it's like, do you not understand the 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 level of work and the level of risk, level of impact? Because you know, if a player gets hurt, your your scholarship is revoked, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that where uh, a player can't 
compensate off their own name, image, and likeness, and especially because it's not like you're taking money out of the university's hands, really. You're basically saying, because of what I'm able to bring, this is what a company wants to pay me. I don't think there should be an issue with it. So that's why I'm for the initial the initial system that they've introduced. Obviously, like with anything, there's going to be downsides to it. There's going to be some knucklehead is going to be irresponsible, but we can deal with that and adapt and evolve with that as that comes. But to say we can't do anything, no, I don't, I don't agree with that sentiment at all. I feel like it's too, like, it's just too, you know, it's too much in between, you know, like if, if I can't make a profit off of my likeness and talent, then why can you? You know, because it starts off as a child's game to begin with. When you're introduced to these sports, you're a child. You know, they don't start making money off of you until you become an adult. You know what I'm saying? So if if we're not going to keep it the same, even education, even the fact that you're paying for our education, education to that point had been free. Mm. So if this is what I have to sacrifice for this education, then maybe we need to find a way to work out some different deals because y'all are coming off big on the other end. On yeah. still. The percentage gets smaller. The percentage of high school players that go to college is small, and then the percentage of college that goes to the next level is even smaller. But mm -hmm. all the way in between, y'all getting compensated. So you know what I'm saying? Got to find a way to make it fair, in my opinion, because every player is not the same. I'm not telling you that every player is worth the is worth the same, but those that are worth a lot, like that's those are the players that we fighting for, mm -hmm. and, and they fight for all of us. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's kind of like interesting seeing it unfold, especially like with like basketball. You juxtapose it with there where they're kind of having to deal with their own, not necessarily NIL, but it's just a matter of now people are starting to wake up and say, eh, I'm not going to college. I'm going to do something else. Like I'm going to go to the G League or I'm going to go overseas and get my money now. And they're, they're thinking that that's actually a more worthwhile experience because now you're forced, you're forced to learn how to be a pro. So if we get now, we don't have that, you know, kind of with college football, you kind of have to play because you have to be in school for a certain number of years. But from my, what I've observed is, okay, let's use that to an advantage if I was NCAA and I would just make everything based off of incentives, right? Where now, okay, we're going to make this a competitive atmosphere. We're going to have competitive advantages be implemented. So that stuff, like if you, if your college, you know, like let's say you go to a, a blue chip, like a Alabama versus a Georgia, and you're able to have more boosters, give up more money, right? Or, you know, invest more in the, in the kids, well, then now that gives you a competitive advantage. And then you take a, a kid who maybe is a five-star athlete. You see in this Jackson State, they decide, I don't want to go to the blue chip. I want to go to a place like Jackson State where I'll really be able to shine and build a name up. That's where a kid can build a brand up. So now that implements more competitive balance across the board. So to me, that I feel like that's a good thing, right? Now you have more good teams. You're not having to worry about people talk about, oh, it's only like one conference dominating the sport. It kind of spreads out the talent and it creates more parity, which is something a lot of people complain about. So to me, it's all all around a good thing. It's just it has a couple of hiccups, which are going to be flattened out over time. Like I said, I mean, they had to find a way to, you know, to even it out, though, because like I said, you got a school like Alabama. Like, I can't even imagine what them players at Alabama is bringing into that school, man. Like Georgia, like all those all those top schools like that, man. Like, you know, like I said, like I said, they keeping them universities open. Like, yeah. you know, so it's just. Like, I think it's fair, man. Like I said, I don't want to not mention basketball and, you know, the other sports, but, you know, just specifically football because there's so yeah. many different players. Like, I think it's only fair that they be compensated, man. For sure. But we'll leave the conversation there. And let's, let's get to this next thing, which is after football, music. Mm -hmm. And you begin your project, Avrion, on Spotify. So just talk about um, what got you into finally launching the project and, uh, you know, what, what has music kind of been and meant to you and why it was time at this moment to uh, start it up. 
Well, when I first got done, man, like I said, like I played from the time I was seven to the time, you know, I graduated from college. So when I first got done, it really hit me hard, man, that I, you know, you're not playing football no more. You're going to have to figure it out. So mm -hmm. when I first got done, I wanted to kind of get out and kind of do spoken words and things. And like I said, my cousin Carmen, uh, she went to MSU with me. She introduced me into my first spoken word event to where I can get up in front of people and just even see if I can do it. And mm -hmm. so I was able to do, you know, pretty well, you know, and just kind of try to grow from there. I was posting videos on Facebook, Instagram, just kind of see if I can build any kind of fan base or, you know, if I could do it. Because the hardest thing with music, you know, is if it's if it got staying power, like you can make something that's good. But like, do you does, does your music like is it really like, you know, what I'm saying, did you put your heart into it? Like, did you put your soul into it? So it took me a long time to even want to do it, man, because truly my biggest fear was posting a video on Facebook or something like everybody just posting the poop emojis all the way down the comments. <laughs> just, you know what I'm saying? Like that was like my biggest fear, like the whole time doing it. So once I was posting and people were kind of like showing me love and showing that if I put something out, then they would listen to it. That like kind of helped me. And then when I got back, you know, cause when I was in college, I was, you know, I had a couple of dudes that I worked with uh, my homeboy Kalechi, shout out to Kalechi. His artist name is Ugo Black and my homeboy Moo, you know, they let me, you know, just work in the studio and work on the craft. So that was real important. And then when I got back to Houston, I connected with my homeboy Renzo and just having access to the studio, man, and just being able to work on the craft. Like, I just I just love it, man. I just fell in love with it, really, man. And like it gave me the confidence to want to put out the project. I dropped it on my birthday. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying? So, like I said, music means a lot to me, man. Like uh, my favorite artist growing up was Big Crit. Uh, but like I said, my musical inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, speak on it. I want you to speak on it. Go ahead. Big Crit, yeah. Now nah, he dropped the Houstonian. Yeah, man. I mean, and definitely like even Houston music. I mean, uh, you know, you got Big Crit, you got DJ Screw, and just that whole uh, that whole group is definitely good to see. You know, a new generation of new blood uh, being able to come together. And you're working with people. You have people who are willing to invest in you. And you have guys who now you have already ready to kind of partner with you, which is great because a lot of times I think you know, dudes try to do it on their own and try to do it by themselves. And it's like, nah, man, everybody needs a support system. Everybody needs a network. And that'll help us all. We, there's enough for us all to eat together. So that's the, even more so something that I'm looking at. And I'm like, this is good that this guy has his head on straight. He's motivated and he has people that are there for him, which is great. Now, the big thing, bro, is having people that want to work with you, bro. It's a lot of people that want to enjoy and want to enjoy your success, bro. Like, the big thing is having people that, like, really want to be there through the process, man. Like, that's the hard part. And that's what I've been lucky enough to have. Like I said, with my cousin being able to offer me the platform in college to speak, uh, all my homeboys just letting me get studio time and work on my craft. Like, that's the kind of stuff where people are able to improve, and you know what I'm saying, and just grow from that. So, like, that was huge for me, man. I definitely didn't do it by myself. I would never tell you that. Um, nah, but it, but it's good that you have people there for you and who are invested in your success, man, because for sure that's, I think that's where most guys set themselves apart is who's able to be there for them, you know, who do you have in your corner and who's there to really push you, you know, like for us, you know, we have Coach Kovo, but even for myself, it's guys who've mentored me, I've had a lot of older people, you know, who have like taken me under their wing and like made sure I didn't stray off on a bad path or make sure that I didn't repeat a lot of the mistakes I made as a youngster, you know, even now. And I still rely on them. I'm still close with them today. So it's definitely, you know, the value of network. If there's nothing else that we're talking about here, you know, doing that and putting in the work and just yeah. believing in yourself, you know, because you can't be afraid to fail. You know, like you talked about it, you have to give it a try. And if, hey, if it doesn't work out, at least you can live with yourself better knowing that you gave it your all. Absolutely, man. Absolutely.
Right. So as we wind down, you know, quick hitters. But first off, just look into the future. So you dropped off, you dropped this first project. What other, you know, first off, are you going to stick with one genre? Can you talk about the spoken words? Or are you going to maybe diversify or what's the angle? What are you trying, where are you trying to go with the music? Uh, man, I would tell you that, like I said, my gift to me is spoken word. Like, you know, I like to go out in front of people, kind of feel their energy as I'm speaking, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of be in that vibe. But the music is something I definitely want to continue to improve on and continue mm. to work on. Uh, you know, I'm, I know how it is, man. Like I said, I know you got to put in a lot of work for the music to make it sound good, to make it, you know, have staying power and all of that. So I'm willing to put in that kind of work. But for the time being, I'm cool with going to open mics and just rocking the mic, man, for the time being. Not most, not most definitely, man. You know, can, wish and continue success for you, bro, in this in this journey, bro, because we need it, bro. I appreciate you. For sure. Well, that's Avery on, on Spotify, man. Y'all check him out. No, every on all platforms, man. Apple Music. Well, there you go. Everything, hey, man. YouTube, you go. music, all of that, man. <laughs> there man. it is. Yeah, yes, sir. There it is. There you go. Check them out, you guys. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to wind it down with quick hitters. So, the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you the question, give it to me. All right. Cool. All right. First question Top three most influential people in your life, or five, if you got up to five. Top three most influential, I would say my mom, mm. my daughter. Mm. Uh, and I'm gonna have to say my dad. I'm gonna just say my dad, mom, dad, daughter. There you go, family, family always, family first. All right, top three football moments of all time, not just for you on the field, but just you witnessed in general. Uh, top three football moments. Uh, for one, I mean, it's uh, I remember one of my teammates, Ray Ottman, running somebody down uh, in high school after a field goal. It was like a field goal block or something, and he ran them down. Uh, it was crazy. I know people don't know that, but that was, you know what I'm saying, my memory. Uh, mm. Another memory would be, like, just the whole, like, Randy Moss era, like, just that whole just that whole era and just really just that whole 2000 eras of football, man, was just really my my favorite moments, like, of football, mm. man, just experiencing that as a child. Mm. All right, and then – your three top musical artists of all time. Top musical artists of all time. I'm going to go, man, that's the tough one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Lil Wayne. Oof, legend. I'm going to go Nas. I'm going to go Kanye. There you go. Killer list. Yeah. All right, last question. I ask every guest before they leave to drop a gem to the next generation to the young, you know, people coming up. So for you, it'd be young football players if they are playing football for people who are music. What would be the last thing you would tell them? Uh, man, just believe in yourself, man. Like really organize a goal, write it down on a paper, put it up on your wall in your room and just stick to it every day. And I promise you, you'll look up one day and it'll be accomplished, man. That's my right. gym. There you go. Beautiful message, man. Well, that's a wrap for Inside Podcast. want to thank Dominique Abreon Williams for coming on and blessing us with his time, man. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on, man. Stay blessed. All right, there you go. Well, you can catch this episode on all your listening platforms as well as YouTube and the Anchor.fm platform. Much love.